Welcome to This Is Us podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Hansen, and my wife and I have the honor of serving alongside an amazing team as lead pastors of Hillsong Church in Denmark and Malmo. This podcast is a collection of short episodes regarding life, leadership, and culture. If you haven't done so already, please click follow and subscribe. And as always, if you find this to be valuable, feel free to share it with others. Well, here we are back at This Is Us. It is great to have you here. And I want to share a thought today that hopefully can help in our leadership, in our team leadership, in being part of a team. And I want to talk about contentment versus comparison. Contentment versus comparison. Paul, he writes in 1 Timothy 6 verse 2. He says, these are the things you are to teach and insist on. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. That's a mouthful. But godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it but if we have food and clothing we'll be content with that those who want to get rich fall into temptation a a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs but you man of god let me just add you woman of god Flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Man, there is so much in this. So much. There's so much in this for people who do ministry, you know, traditional, classic ministry of pastoring, preaching, um, itinerary ministry. But there's also something in this for all of us. And the key verse here that we're just going to highlight and we're going to land and and talk about is verse 6, where it says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I was uh, was talking to a pastor once, and he was part of a larger church, and since taking on this this big role, he he felt like he was not getting the opportunities he deserved, Uh, maybe even the opportunities that he was good at. And I listened to him for a long time, and And then I asked him, is there something that you were promised that you haven't got? And the answer was no. Okay, so the things you're complaining about, are they those are things that they were never promised to you. He goes, that's right. So basically nothing's changed but you. So either my conclusion was, sorry, this this sounds blunt, but it was true. Either be honest and tell your oversight how you feel or leave. You see, contentment is such an important thing attribute sometimes we understand a word by looking at its antonyms at the opposite and the opposite spirit of contentment is that of comparison i've often said if we forget why we do what we do what we do will kill us like when i was talking to this pastor he forgot why he said yes to the role to begin with why he was there he took his eye off the why and start focusing on the what And that brings me to my first thought, and that is we compare what we do that others don't. We compare what we do that others don't. Like when when the disciples came to Jesus 
And they said, hey, what will happen with Judas? And Jesus just answered, what's that got to do with you? Your focus is you. You follow me. And when Jesus told the parable of the workers who agreed to a salary for their work, and then later someone else started working later in the day, but they got the exact same pay as the ones who started at the beginning of the day, they complained. Now, why did they complain? Because they started looking around. Now, they still got what they agreed on. So that wasn't the issue. It wasn't that suddenly they were cheated, but they start comparing themselves amongst themselves. Paul says that's not wise. Maybe it's what others don't do on a team. Maybe you look at yourself and you look at what someone else do on the team. You're like, why, why do I do so much more than everyone else? Maybe it's what others don't you know, do in other churches. You know, It's amazing how people, Christians in one church, can go and hang out with Christians in another church, and then you hear what it's like over there. Or they hear what it's like over here and you're like, my goodness, like how come we do so much and they do so little or whatever it is that our mindset tells us. I'm not saying we should have people slacking, but truth is this, you don't always have the full picture. Man, I think that's so important to write down. You don't always have the full picture. Maybe there is a reason someone's not getting asked to do so much. You know, you can look at someone and go, how come they're not serving? You know what? There might be a pastoral thing. There might be a seasonal thing. There might be a thing that you don't know about. And maybe the pastor is just protecting that person because they are working through some stuff. You don't always have the full picture. We think we do. So we start comparing and we start making assumptions. We start making conclusions. But you don't always have the full picture. Maybe they're doing things that you don't see. Or when you compare to other churches, for example, or other ministries or other companies, remember that every church has different culture. Every church has different expectation and every church has different fruit. Second thing I want to say is we often want the benefit of a partnership, but we don't want the burden of the relationship. We want the benefits of a partnership, but we don't want the burden of a relationship. Now, we, we can talk about this in a natural sense. I mean, think about all the, the people maybe you know, that are single and they go from one romantic encounter to another. They want all the benefits of that partnership, but they don't want the burden of the commitment of a relationship. We've got to remember when it comes to a partnership with a local church, partnership with the team that you're part of, remember that tasks look different, not just in activity. We get that. Whether you're painting a wall or you're lifting a table or you're plugging cables in a sound desk, whatever you do, the task looks different. But it's not only the tasks that are different, it's also the weight. Because leadership weighs different. And you will never know what leadership weighs unless unless you've led something. You can look at someone and you know, you can look at a leader that that you know a volunteer might have been there or a team member might have been there since whatever, early in the morning, and then a leader walks in a little bit later, or and you might look at that and look at the activity and go, that activity looks easier, but you don't feel the weight of leadership. When you lead something, You don't always have to be busy in order to feel the weight. And that's important to remember. It's important to remember when we show grace and we think of the people that are leading us, but it's also important when we say yes to leadership. Because the moment you say yes to leadership, you will realize it's not just when you're busy that you feel tired because you're constantly feeling the weight of leadership. The Apostle Paul, he put the weight of leadership of churches alongside the trials and persecutions that he had suffered. We've, we've, we talked about that in an earlier episode. He goes through the list of things that he had experienced of trials and 
being whipped almost to death, beaten to death, obviously not to death, close to death, um, shipwreck, a whole bunch of stuff. And then he goes, and on top of that, I bear daily the trials of carrying and, and, and leading the churches of Jesus Christ. I want to just encourage you, being content that you're fulfilling the call of God on your life, but for God. It's not for people. Be content with what you are doing in terms of being faithful with what God has given you. Remember, we call to be faithful, not successful. Yes, God might give you success or he might not, but that's not what we are called to. We are called to be faithful. So let me ask you a question. Are you doing what you signed up for? If the answer is yes, learn to be content with that and not to compare. Third thought is we compare what we don't have that others do. We compare what we don't have that others do. This could be terms of opportunity. This could be terms of finances. Maybe someone is on staff and you think you should be. It could be that someone else gets more opportunity than you do. You, you might look around and go, well, well, I show up to everything and I've been in this church longer and I've done more than them. And you've got a spreadsheet where you like have laid out the, the data and all that stuff. And you got to remember that it's not just about what you do. It's also about what, you know, what uh, anointing and grace is on your life. I remember a message at Hillsong Conference once just about being content with the length of your legs. <laughs> Um, and, and the whole conversation was that someone was speaking and they were talking about they were out walking with someone else and the person they were walking with just had longer legs. And so that person just walked faster and walked further quicker. And you can, you can start to get annoyed and say, I cannot believe they're walking so fast. I cannot believe they're walking so far. And here I am just like I'm busting myself and I'm trying to keep up. But the fact is we all have different sizes legs. We all, we, all, we all have different grace zones. We all have different calling. And there's no point comparing. There's no point comparing your ministry, comparing your gift, comparing your grace. Because God graces every single one of us different. You can look at someone and say, but I'm so much better than them. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But you can't just compare gifts. You've also got to compare calling. You've also got to talk about grace. So can I encourage you, be content with the size of your ministry. Not content as in I'm lazy, I don't want it to grow, but be content with what God has given you. Be content with the gift that God has given you. Don't try and be Michael Jordan if you're Steve Kerr, for those of you that are into basketball. You know, you can either be the star player, but a Steve Kerr who has now, what is he up to, 11 rings or whatever it is? You know, he wasn't the star player, he was the role player. He was the guy who made the star player shine. And, you know, like all of us, we have different roles on the team. Be content with the role that you're called to play. And this one, this is another one. It's a big one that we compare with people our own age outside of church. I really just want to stress this one. If you're called and you feel called to build church, if you feel called that's, you know, to be in ministry and that's what you're passionate about, I really want to encourage you not to be distracted with your friends that do not carry the same calling. It is so, and, and we all get caught up in this. We can all get caught up in this. I mean, Paul says this, I mean, this is 2,000 years ago. He, he, you know, he's, he's talking to his disciple then, Timothy, and he's like, hey, don't get caught up in chasing, chasing finances. But, it, you know, it's, it can be easy to have those moments, and I feel it at times, where you look to your left and you look to your right, and I look at people my age, and I see maybe the 
apartment or houses they can buy or the holidays they can have or the just the nice stuff that they can have. And you think, ah, oh, if maybe, you know, if I went on that track instead. But the thing is, what did I get called to do? I wasn't called into the business world. I was called to build church. I was called for ministry. Do not compare with people your own age outside of the calling you're in. Settle with what is in you. Do you want this or not? Be content. And when answering these questions, just remember, do not make permanent decisions in temporary seasons. Do not make permanent decisions in temporary seasons. It's so easy when, it's, when things are tough, when things are hard, when the finances are low, when it, you know, there's just a lot of stuff and it's one of those seasons where we're building and working really hard. It's so easy to go, ah, oh, it's too much. I'm out. And you make a permanent decision in a temporary season. And let me finish with this one last thought. We compare how it is with how we think it should be. We compare how it is with how we think it should be. I mean, this is, this is normally what we would call Absalom at the gate. Absalom was um, King David. He was in the Old Testament. And King David had one of his sons, and his name is Absalom. And there was a horrible thing that happened to Absalom's sister. And Absalom's furious, and he's like, man, you know, King David, like his dad, like he better do something about it. David didn't do something about it because David wasn't great at confronting people. And that was his, it was a, a weak side in his leadership, it was a weak side in his fatherhood, is that he didn't, he didn't confront weakness, he didn't confront rebellion, he didn't confront bad things. So anyways, that's a whole nother side, but Absalom's furious. And what Absalom did was that he placed himself at the gate where people walked into Jerusalem, in and out of Jerusalem. And in 2 Samuel 15, verse 4, um, Absalom would say to people who were walking in and out, remember also that at the gate of Jerusalem, at the gate of the city, was also where the judges would sit. Um, so the elders of town, they would sit there and they would talk about politics and they would talk about the cases that needed to be dealt with. And that's where decisions would be made. So verse 4 Absalom says, if only I were appointed judge in the land. Verse 6, so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. Verse 13, and the hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. So what he did was that he stood at the gate and he's like, you know, as he heard decisions being made or as he heard rumors, or as he heard people complaining about David, rather than going, hey, guys, maybe you don't have the full picture. Hey, guys, you know, like... You know, don't start comparing yourself or, hey, hey guys, let me help you trying to get to the truth of this. Or let me, let me bring this before the king and let's try to figure this out. What he would do is that, well, if I was the judge, well, if I was king, well, if I was the pastor, well, if I was the creative pastor, well, if I was in charge, then I would. And slowly, Absalom stole the hearts of the people. And in verse 13, it got to the point where they came to King David and says, the hearts of the people are no longer with you. They're with Absalom. And we see, we see these two sides of, of leadership that are, that are failing here. The first one is David's failure to confront. But the second one is Absalom's failure to serve. To, to, to failure to serve. Now, if you see some, something, Absalom, what he saw was true. David should have done something. So it's not that what he saw was wrong. It's how he went about to fix it. If I was in charge, then I would. If I was in charge, then I would. I want to encourage you. You know, if you're listening to this, 
it's obviously because you have a desire for leadership. You have a you have a hunger for for developing yourself. And part of leadership is that you you see problems. You see how things can be better. And that is amazing. And it's such an incredible skill to have. And as a leader, I know I want people that have an eye to see how things can be better. But you also want people that have the humility and the understanding to take the challenges and lay them at your feet. As in, you know, serve the greater picture, being solution oriented and not using that to take it hostage in order to promote themselves. That it's if I was in charge, then I would, you know, sp- spreading dissent, disunity. But to say, hey, how can we, as part of the team, be part of fixing this? Psalm 133, it says that God commands a blessing where there is unity. And I want to just, I want you to think about that. God commands a blessing where there's unity. Your conversations at the gate, your conversations with other leaders, are they increasing unity or are they decreasing unity? Thank you for listening to This Is Us podcast. Whether you listen to them as an individual or as a team, we hope that they add value to you. Make sure to click follow or subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Thank you for joining us. We are who we are. This is us.